This is Might Sound Wild, a podcast for business owners, creatives, and anyone who wants to do what they love for a living. Hosted by Ron Wayne Scott and April Loyal. Well, last week we talked about the positives of going into a new year and the new attitude and the changes in your business and all that kind of stuff. This week we're going to be talking about something that's not so fun, and that is taxes and how you can get prepared for tax time. And we'll talk about that coming up. Both Shore Shooters and Mountain Escape are expanding this year. We have high hopes for growing, and that means we need new photographers in many areas. We are definitely looking for photographers in Southern Florida, the Tampa area, the South Carolina coast, the North Carolina coast, and as always, if we didn't name your area, please feel free to apply. You can find the application at mightsoundwild.co. All right, so we're talking about my least favorite subject today. I I think think it's everybody's least favorite subject. (laughs) Yeah, those people who um, actually enjoy numbers and taxes and things like that are just special. They're just unique people because I, I kind of en- lives. I kind <laughs> of enjoy numbers and that kind of stuff, but I still hate taxes. And this is why I think is because it feels to me like something that's out of your control. And I'm not a huge, I always have struggled with kind of authority in my life as a kid, like asking a teacher if I can go to the bathroom always felt beneath me. Um, So I think when it comes to taxes, someone is in charge of what you consider your money. So before you start answering questions today, Ron, I want to encourage everyone who's listening to trick their brain into realizing that the money that you're earning without working a normal job where you get a W-2, you know, those kinds of jobs, as an entrepreneur and business owner, the money that you're bringing in, that big amount at once, part of that belongs to the government. It does, unfortunately. You just need to go ahead and trick your brain initially that you are going to have to pay taxes on your money and get that in your head before you can start seeing it different so that you can have a better attitude surrounding it. Because for years and years I have spent, and I'm still there sometimes, spent my time afraid that I was going to do something either wrong, which is why we're here today to try to help you get prepared, uh, wrong concerning my taxes, or I really just did not want to give up that run. What can you expect? What's the overall kind of percent? I know it's not exact, but what can you expect percentage wise that you're supposed to pay in? I like to, to I like to say about twenty five percent. I kind of always prepare myself that now. Uh, of course, uh, we do our things a little different now. We pay ourselves as employees from shore shooters. So uh, we have taxes taken out of our paychecks throughout yeah. the year, which makes tax time a whole lot easier for us. But before we got to that point and when we weren't having taxes taken out of our paycheck, I like to prepare for 25% of what I was making. Now, if you track all of your expenses and you expense out a lot of things that you buy throughout the year as a business expense, you might come out paying a little bit less than that. But it's always but it's, a good idea to, as you're making money throughout the year, just keep in the back of your mind, I've got to save 25% of this because that's got to go to the government. I love that plan because if you're overprepared that way, because Ron's talking about saving 25% to be prepared to pay at the end of the year, 
as if you didn't have expenses or you didn't track your expenses well. So that would leave you prepared. And then when you're able to write off the things that we're going to talk about today's on today's episode, then you're, you're, you're already, then you're coming out better. You're, you're yeah, like, and the thing is, if you're not real good at budgeting, I think a great way to do it. If you're a sole proprietor and uh, you're, you're a small business owner, the way I would suggest doing it is every time you pay yourself, take about 25% of that. Or any time that your business makes a profit, take 25% of that and transfer it into a savings account or something like that. That's the best way to make sure that you don't overspend and get yourself in trouble at tax time is to just take a percentage of that money that you're making and put it somewhere else. So that way you can't spend it. Yeah. And you can even do um, like when I remember years and years ago when I first joined my current bank, I set up, you know, automatic transfers to my savings account just because back then years ago, I knew I wouldn't be disciplined enough to save money. So yeah. and you can set that to amount. So if you look at your previous year of what you've earned. So let's just talk like a number. Say you made twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Just in case you're not good with math and you need to be prepared to pay in five to taxes. Yeah. Well, $5,000 really isn't bad over the course of a year if you've broke down transferring that savings over, you know, a little at a time. Oh, you yeah. Know, break that down to your weekly or biweekly or even monthly. That wouldn't be yeah. a terrible thing. So I like to be very blunt with the numbers because the worst thing for me is the unknown. I am always scared that the 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 amount is something that's just unattainable and instead of figuring it out which is why I'm so lucky to have Ron um instead of figuring it out I kind of run and hide from it so on today's episode while you're talking about these things if I butt in every once in a while to ask questions you just go right ahead that's how I feel <laughs> you know that's yeah. what I need to know but okay. the main thing the main thing I want to talk about this the main thing I want to encourage everybody on this week is that if you are keeping taxes in the back of your mind throughout the year as you're doing business, it's really not that bad. But it's all about keeping track of everything throughout the year and keeping your expenses and your income and all of that organized. If you keep it organized throughout the year, it's really not going to be that bad. Yeah, I agree. It, I think... um we sometimes, you know, that waiting to the last minute mentality, you know, like the people that in school that waited to the last minute to do their uh, science right. fair project, it's like scrambling. And then, you know, what could I expense out? Maybe, you know, it's all good in your brain to think, well, I'll just buy a new lens and memory cards and blah, blah, blah at the end of the year. Right. Well, what if you don't have the money at the end of the year to buy it? That's true. You've already paid all your real. So really plan, I think is yeah. a good idea. Like what can I, what's an expense that I can have that I actually need this month that's going to sure. help balance out my taxes? Sure. Because Ron, will you um, just give a quick explanation? I think if you're listening to this, you probably know, but just for the sake of some first timers, maybe this was your first year receiving a 1099 from one of our companies, or maybe it's your first year where you owned your own business. What are some common things that people might forget are actually tax deductible expenses? Can I ask you that now? Yeah, the, here's the here's the thing to remember. If you did get a 1099, say you shot for somebody else, whether it was one of our businesses or you second shot for 
another wedding photographer or something like that. Or, uh, um, I don't know. There's a number of ways that you could end up getting a 1099. Basically a 1099, if you were an independent contractor for a company and that company paid you more than $600 as a contractor, not an employee, but a contractor. If that company paid you more than $600, they are required by law to send you a 1099. But here's the thing to remember. If you were a contractor, you were acting as your own business. Yes. In other words, it's it's no different than, say, if you're a plumber and you were subcontracted by a home builder to do the plumbing on a house that that subcontractor uh, is is building. It's right. it's kind of like uh, you're not an employee for that company, but that company contracted part of the work out to you. So they used your service. You, right, right. But technically you were acting as your own business. Yes. And just like in any other type of business situation, you have expenses. If you were subcontracted by another photographer, that photographer probably didn't buy you a camera and a memory card and batteries and flash and all that kind of stuff. You were using your own equipment, which means that all of that equipment that you've bought, that is a business expense. So if you're doing anything on a contractor basis, you have to save receipts, keep track of any expenses that you have as a result of doing that work for that other company. That even includes mileage to go to the job, anything like that, uh, food that you bought. If you say if you were second shooting for another wedding photographer and you had to travel to a faraway place and you stayed in a hotel the night before the wedding or the night after the wedding and that person that contracted you didn't pay for that hotel, well, then that's a business expense on yes. your part and that is going to be written off. So mm -hmm. what you need to do is if you did get a 1099, then you need to make sure that you're uh, now I, I use TurboTax. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're using TurboTax, you need to basically create a business in that in TurboTax, even if you're not an actual business, but you need to basically create a business in your TurboTax for this work that you did where you were subcontracted by another company. That way you're able to enter in all of your expenses. So say you made, you got a 1099 saying that you made $10,000 subcontracting for so-and-so. Well, you bought memory cards, you stayed at a hotel, you paid for gas to get to the job. All of that is expenses and all of those expenses will knock that amount down so you will not be taxed on that entire amount of money that you made contracting for this other company. And this actually makes a big difference, guys. I mean, the hotels, the flights, the things like that. And the, the major purchases that Ram was referring to, such as, you know, camera lenses and things like that. That's the part, if I remember correctly, and feel free, Ron, to cut me off if I'm, if I'm making an error here. Okay. Those big expenses, I believe, just come off the top of your income, essentially. They do. 
is so yeah, they're not they like oh it's a because with your mileage and things like that that's usually it'll get lumped into what they call the standard mileage deduction and that also yeah. includes parking fees and um, I think registration for your car, things like that all fall into that category. And that doesn't come off the top of your income or anything. There's like this, uh, so there's this way that they do it that kind of subtracts like an, you know, a percentage sort of. Yeah. Ba- basically, you. basically the way TurboTax works is, uh, it'll ask you if you want to take the standard deduction or, uh, break it down. And then what you can do is you can go ahead and enter all of those expenses and then it will figure out which one's going to get you the biggest deduction. Right. So uh, if you don't have a whole lot of expenses, I, I think the standard, I don't, I don't remember. I'm thinking like 2,500, something the like that. The standard is usually what it recommends to me and I drive a lot. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's pretty impossible to get a better deal than that standard mileage yeah. deduction. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but either way, that one's like a percent. Whereas those uh, the large equipment, the major purchases, even say you have a home, all of office, that's going to be separate. Exactly, yeah, that comes off of your income. I mean, that's a big difference. So, say you thought you were getting taxed on twenty thousand dollars. Well, it might end up looking like you're getting taxed on something like fifteen or sixteen. And think sure. about how how good that is. But just to add to all of this, if you're if you're in your at a certain age where you're realizing that eventually you're going to have to buy a home or even be financed for something. Be really smart with your tax write-offs, guys, because, you know, it yeah, is, you've got to think is, about the amount of income that you're taking it down to. Is it is it good for you right now, this year, or in this moment where you're not paying taxes? Is yeah, it going to look bad to a lender? It's you know, a double-edged sword because obviously you want to expense out as much as possible to pay as little taxes as you possibly can. But the downside to that is if you expense so much stuff out that it looks like you lost money Mm -hmm. during the year. And then next year you go and try to buy a house, that lender is going to look at your taxes and go, Oh, you didn't make any money last year. So we can't lend you money for a house. So you kind of have to balance it a little bit. Yeah, just plan your plan for your overall picture is my was my suggestion sure. instead of just your right now because I think there were a couple of years in a row early on in our business where the taxes scared me so bad I just wanted to not owe money. And yeah. then you know, you never know what'll happen and lenders look at 2 years. So you really need to be thinking at the old, you know, the whole picture here, not just the here and now. Yeah. Um yeah. I want to say I want to say one more thing on the other side of the 1099 stuff. If you are a photographer and you subcontracted work out to other people, for example, a second shooter, or if you had an associate photographer that you gave your overflow work to and you paid that other photographer more than $600, you are required by law to send that photographer a 1099. So uh, I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times, especially in the industry that we're in. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just telling you how it is because it could end up getting you in trouble down the road. So mm-hmm. uh, now if you're like us and you use QuickBooks, then you can do the 1099s directly through QuickBooks, but you have to make sure throughout the year that you are entering those payments correctly in QuickBooks as a subcontractor or contractor. 
So that way, QuickBooks will classify all of those payments and will keep track of that for those 1099s. Now, if you're not using QuickBooks or something like that, then I strongly recommend that you get in touch with a CPA who can mm-hmm. send those 1099s out for you. But uh, again, if you subcontracted work out to somebody else and you paid them more than $600, you are required by law to send them a 1099 and you have to have those sent out by the end of January. So and don't forget uh, just something to keep in mind there. I think this is the first year that Venmo is also probably going to start sending out 1099s to people. I think now I do remember reading something about that the other day that they okay. did sort of give them another year on that. They like warned them. <laughs> yeah, so uh but but it's definitely something that you need to keep in mind for the future. I don't think Venmo is sending out 1099s uh I think this year it's like it's like the old rule of it had to be over $20,000 before they send out a 1099. But I think starting with this tax year, the 2023 tax year, anybody who made more than $600 through Venmo is going to be getting a 1099. But don't be afraid of it, guys, because we're telling you, if you've been collecting your money from Venmo, which we always um, suggest against, if you've been doing that, that's fine because we're here to tell you to just keep track of it, plan, uh, be organized with your expenses, and plan to pay in the yeah, and basically suggested twenty five percent. Just be yeah. Basically, what this translates to is that uh, if you did say, for example, once this year is over, and you do get a ten ninety nine from Venmo, if you collected your payments through Venmo, you're going to get a ten ninety nine. All it means is that you have to do a business tax return because the IRS is going to know if you collected $10,000 through Venmo, they're going to know that you were using Venmo as a payment processor for your business. Right. So you just got to be honest about it and say, okay, yeah, it was a business. I was collecting payments through Venmo. I'm doing a business tax return. That's Mm -hmm. all you got to do. Uh, it's just, you know, don't be shady and try to pretend that all that money you made through Venmo didn't exist because don't you're be not going to, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to be able to get away with that anymore. No. Don't uh, and all that, all this goes back to many, many years ago. Um, I remember when all of this first started, when the online payment processors were first starting to come about, it took the IRS a few years to realize that there were people making six figure incomes selling stuff on eBay. Oh and yeah, yeah. You remember you remember when eBay was first the really big thing? I do, yeah. I forgot about and, that. And uh the IRS just sort of woke up one day and said, Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. There's people making six figure incomes selling stuff on eBay and they're not paying any taxes on it. <laughs> we need to fix this. Yeah. And so they did. And so now Venmo is the new thing. And so now they're kind of waking up and doing the same thing, going, wait a minute, there's people making a lot of money through Venmo and we're not getting any of that money. So we need to fix that. So that's what they're doing. Never last guys. Just (laughs) exactly. (laughs) The government's going to catch up to it eventually. All right, let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk about how you can keep everything organized this year so you'll be prepared 
for tax time next year. And we'll do that coming up. Hey guys, it's Brianna LaCosta. I am the social media manager for Mountainscape, Shore Shooters, and Might Sound Wild. I want to invite you to stay connected with us. We post regularly and we want to see you interact with us. You can find Shore Shooters and Mountainscape through Instagram and Facebook. You can follow Might Sound Wild on Instagram and subscribe on YouTube. If you're enjoying the Might Sound Wild podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating and review. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll get a notification every time we release a new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Might Sound Wild. Okay, Ron, now let's get into how to be prepared for next year. What is, what is your tips and tricks for staying organized throughout the entire year? The most important thing is keep your business money separate from your personal money. Keep your business expenses separated from your personal expenses and keep your business income separated from your personal income. That means you even, it doesn't matter how small of a business you are, you need to have a business bank account. Yeah. Because if you're doing everything through your personal bank account, it's just going to be just a complete disorganized mess when taxes come around. So have a business bank account, no matter how small you are and use some way to track your business expenses, to classify them as to what they are. In other words, uh, if you buy a memory card, you need to classify that as equipment for your business. If you're, um, staying at a hotel, like we talked about earlier, if you're, if you have to stay in a hotel for a night for a photography job, you need to classify that as a travel expense because it's going to be a whole lot easier if you can just pull all of this up at the end of the year and say, okay, I spent $6,000 on travel. I spent $15,000 on equipment. If you have it all classified there and it's, it's just going to be so much easier. So now you were saying that one of our photographers that you were working with the other day, uh, said something about their, their apps now for that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what the app is. Don't remember what the name of it was, but there, I've seen them before Mm -hmm. that there are apps for, um, tracking business expenses. So, uh, use something like that. If you are like us and you use QuickBooks, make sure you're classifying it all in there. Uh, you, April, you have a pretty good way of doing things. You have a credit card that you use anytime that you buy something that's business related that can be written off your taxes. Yeah. Mostly because the way that our, our businesses are set up, yours and ours, we, I don't like to treat our business bank accounts, obviously, as something I have access to really. I mean, I do, but I I have access, but I never use them unless I need to for like a business purchase. So because I don't have, you know, if I were a sole proprietor, I'd probably have a business account and my personal account and I'd probably transfer money between them and things like that. So since I don't have that, I treat my credit card kind of as my business account so that when it comes to tracking expenses, toward the end, I only have to look in one place. That's the only way my mind can really figure out. Um, Of course, you know, you can be like me at the end of the year, you can double check um, Airbnb apps, whoever you book your flights through. 
um, you can go back through and see all of those um, places that you've made reservations and stuff at, at, you know, in one place. And that helps you check against the credit card. It can help you references, reference it. But I think it's smarter to try and keep all of your business purchases in one place, like you were saying, or at least yeah. that's how it work, works out for me. Yeah. And it works out for us because just using our example, like for Mountain Escape and for Might Sound Wild, both of those, we are 50-50 partners. They are LLCs. We don't get a regular paycheck from those businesses. Right. So at the end of the year, when we do the taxes, I do the tax return for the business. Now, an, an LLC partnership, the business itself doesn't pay taxes. The taxes are passed on to the owners, which means that when I do the business tax return for Mountain Escape, I take the amount of money that we made for the year, subtract all the expenses that the business paid, and then whatever's left over, that's profit. And that profit is split between me and you. So say if the profit was $50,000, then that's $25,000 that each one of us is responsible for. So then what you and I each have to do is we have to look at what we paid for during the year. And Out of like, our pocket. Yeah. Right. Like, for example, you have gone to Tennessee before and you paid for your hotel when you stayed there. So that's going to come off of the part of the profit that you're responsible for. Right. Um, or if you um, bought a camera that you use to do a mountain escape wedding, well, there, there you go. There's another expense. So, uh, so you can take some of your personal expenses off of your personal tax return. If you are an LLC or a partnership. So, yes. But and trust uh, me, you're going to need it. <laughs> you you are going to need it, especially if you make a whole lot of profit, because you don't want to be responsible for all of that profit. But I guess really the easiest way is to make the expenses, a have the business pay for the expenses, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And then that way it all comes off um, of the, the business account. And then basically you do the business taxes and all of the expenses come off of the amount of money that you made. And then that ends up with less profit. So that's why you need to keep everything organized throughout the year. And like I said, at the beginning of the show, you need to be conscious. You need to be thinking about taxes all throughout the year. And that way it's going to make tax time a whole lot easier. Yeah. And if you're like me and this kind of stuff really just stresses you out and you you tend to avoid it, then just go see a CPA. I think that's important too. If, you, if you're listening to us and you're like, I do not have the mindset to do this correctly, or I don't feel good about it, or it's really making me want to run away. I think that especially in a creative world, most creative brains aren't in this frame of mind where they sure. can 
they just feel like they're doing it, or at least from my experience, always felt like I might be doing it wrong. Always felt like it wasn't worth it. I mean, if you're not careful, your mindset will make you not even want to be a business owner because oh, it yeah. feels so complicated or over your head. So that's why <laughs> yeah, there's days, you know, go that's out the funny, there and find one. That's the funny thing about tax time, because sometimes when it comes to tax time and you're a small business owner, you're going to end up asking yourself, wouldn't I have been better off just to keep working for somebody else and get a W-2 at the end of the year and all the taxes would be taken out during the year? But uh, eh, that's, that's because, just part you know, of being a business that, owner. Well, that's the saying. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It, it, it's not that easy. Um, for some people, it might come across as easy, like Ron sitting here explaining all of this stuff to you and acting like it's not a scary thing to issue a 1099 or to receive one. That's because he, that's the way that he is created. So it makes him a very good business, business professional. So if, if you're listening to this and you're going, well, I, that's not how I am. That's okay. Because you still have a lot to offer as a creative. You just need to seek help. Yeah. And don't you need to get don't help. run from it until you're in a position where you're in trouble. Because unfortunately that does happen where it will all catch up with you. You'll be in over it your will. head because you were it avoiding will. it. So don't avoid it. That would yeah, be my biggest piece of it. Don't advice. ever, don't ever just take the approach that, well, I'm not going to pay taxes. Right. I'm not going to do, do my taxes. <laughs> that could get you in serious trouble. That could end up getting you thrown in prison. And that will affect that. you for many years to come. And it unfortunately, will. I've known people throughout my life that are still paying back um, taxes from avoiding it. So, and that's, that's a terrible place to be and you don't want to be there. So just um, if I could give you advice, you know, outside of getting, if, you, if you're an organized person and this kind of stuff excites you, go out there and find the app. Uh, separate your expenses, like Ron said, make sure you have a business account, separate your income. But if you don't, if you don't feel like that's something that's attainable for you, then I would add to your to-do list right now to find a CPA to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do a lot of the tax stuff, the financial stuff myself, just because I'm sort of wired that way. But if you're not wired that way, there's nothing wrong with going to somebody else to get help on all this kind of stuff. That's so, why they exist. Uh, Just are, make sure that you trust them. Uh, make sure it's someone you can develop, uh, you know, use your, yeah. Um, ask around. Yeah. yeah. Ask other people that you know, and make sure you find somebody that you trust because I've heard stories of shady CPAs. So, um, yep. <laughs> you, you don't want to, you don't want to run across one of those. So get, uh, recommendations and find somebody good who knows how to handle that kind of stuff for you. So before we wrap up, I want to talk about something new that you've been working on this past week. Yeah, we, um, I, I, I've just gotten really excited because I had the idea to, um, create a whole new photo series in time for Valentine's day. And I think I'll be able to talk about this a little bit more. If you guys come back next week for, um, next week's show and topic is a little bit more geared toward, uh, the Instagram side of the world. And we haven't talked about Instagram a long time on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I have such a love hate relationship with it, but one of my new year's kind of not goals, but the thought process that popped into my brain was, I'm always kind of one foot in, one foot out when it comes to social media because I kind of don't like it, but I also yeah. feel like I need it. So I decided to tell myself, you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. You're not going to yeah. sit here and let it drive you crazy that you're not doing it or that you should be doing it. So one thing that um, came to mind was I wanted to create images and offer um, 
something special for, for Valentine's day. And I see a trend on social media where a lot of photographers are talking about shooting like romantic movie scenes and, um, which I think is so cool, but I haven't watched movies in a long time. I've been out of that phase. Television is something I kind of forget about, but I've been reading like crazy. So I decided to do a similar series, but based on books. So I got some model friends of mine together to practice this theory and there was a whole process to it. We created, you know, pivotal moments in the book. We had to recreate those scenes. So there was a lot of planning that went into it. And because of that, I had to develop special presets to get the editing just how I wanted for this. So I'm making those available through the might sound wild shop. So there's a whole lot to talk about and I can go into further detail about that next week, but um, follow along and come back to our, um, come back and listen next week so yeah. that you can hear more about it. And, uh, we'll talk a little Instagram, like, um, topics. Yeah, I like, and, I like the idea there to create presets based on books that you're reading. Cool concept. Yeah. It's been really fun. And the reason that it's, um, necessary is because like this book that we used for the sample takes place in Canada um, at a lake, um, and a place, you know, every summer. And I thought, well, nothing around here, number one, looks like Canada and nothing. Um, I had to be careful and not go to like the beach or something because there'd be white sand and palm trees. So I had to, you know, really put my thinking cap on and use areas that didn't, you know, that could pass. Yeah. Hard to find um, something that looks like Canada on the Gulf coast. Right, right. And so um, they talk about the brush a lot. And so I, I used our marsh for brush. And um, okay. I, I had to shoot completely different than I normally do. Really, really, really high F-stop. And um, it made me develop these presets based on that. So Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. And uh, we'll uh, uh, be posting updates on the presets on the Might Sound Wild Instagram. So make sure you... Uh, Follow us on Instagram. Follow Might Sound Wild. Keep up with what's going on with the presets. And uh, like April said, we'll talk more about those coming up on next week's episode. Don't forget, new episode every Wednesday morning at about 8 o'clock Eastern time. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll have that notification pop up on your phone every Wednesday morning, letting you know that our latest episode is available. If you're listening to us on Apple, we would greatly appreciate a uh, rating and a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. If you have something uh, good to say about it, we'd love it if you would post it there. And uh, we'll be back next Wednesday to talk about Instagram on the Might Sound Wild podcast.